Welcome to the Real Answers Podcast. This series is provided by the National Wood Flooring Association and features President of CNR Flooring, Chris Zizza, past chairman of the NWFA. We're going to talk about real answers to real life questions within this podcast series. Today's topic is going to be build a business, not a job. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. So why don't we start with a little bit of history about your company, when you started it, how old were you, what caused you to want to start a wood flooring business? How old I was, I was 18 when I started CNR Flooring. It was a moonlighting company, and I was working for Aldo Vigenta Hardwood Floors, and this was in 1986. So building the business, we had a lot of late nights. And, you know, why did I get into hardwood floors? That's because I flunked out of college. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens, man. But no, how did we get here? I don't want you to be stuck on where you are. I I want you to get caught up on where you're going. So CNR Flooring was this moonlighting business because I've always been entrepreneurial and always wanted to pursue more growth, if you will. Frankly, I saw how wealthy the guy who owned Aldo Vigentic Flooring was, and I said, this must be a good path and, you know, mimic success and grow from there. So we started building CNR, which was Chris and Rick. Uh, Rick is still my best friend today, Rick and Ian, and he wanted to go on and become a builder. And I kept the name CNR, which we eventually developed into commercial and residential flooring. Very nice. And that's one of that's one of a number of businesses that you've started or had over the years. So what are you currently running from a business standpoint? Okay. So good point, because one of the things we're going to cover over the series here is you're building a business, you're building a brand, and what's your end game? Where are we going from here? So CNR Flooring has been in business now, you know, 1986. So we're coming up on 33 years. October 1, 1988 was when we first incorporated after carrying for two years is that moonlight business, you know, sand and floors at night, sand and floors on the weekends. And build the business. And in 2004, I opened WFI, Wood Floor Inspectors of New England, became a wood floor inspector after I got my NWFA certification. And that consulting gig has developed into more than just being an inspector. I help companies come to market. As you know, some of you out there might already know, I work with the Zenon brand out of Poland and, you know, help that brand come into the U.S. market and they make a great product and they're, they're having fun with it. So where can you go with your knowledge? If you're staying current, you can go almost anywhere. It sounds funny, but, but that's the truth. If you put the effort in, there's a lot of places that you can pick up quarters and dimes and nickels, if you will. So what are couple of the top things that you would tell somebody who's looking to start their own wood flooring contractor business? I think certification is paramount. I really do. You have to learn to delineate yourself from your competitor. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. One of the things that I like to campaign, I guess would be a way to put it, is on my business card, it says quality and integrity that you can count on. That's our tagline. I think that's you know, separates me from some of my competitors, not because they don't have it on their business card, but because maybe they don't promote it. Being the best professional you can be, that that's how you build a business. When, when I talk about quality and integrity you can count on, uh, that's a tagline that I've had part of our business and our culture for a very long time. We also, I, I know many of you have heard this out there, but quality 
service, price, pick two. That part is true. And you need to run a business that way. I do know a couple guys in the industry that have that on their card. What I love about that is it tells its own story. Look, if you want to buy on price, you're not going to get quality and service. You're going to get one of them. Maybe it's going to be a great quality job, but we'll be there when we get there. That's what happens when you can only have two of those. So which two do you guys want? I want quality and service, and I'm going to charge for it. So Chris, let's talk a little bit about the difference between owning a job and owning a business. When you own a job, you're probably working out of your home or out of your van, and you do the majority of the work. And you need to understand if in your world, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done, then you probably own a job and you don't own a flooring company yet. And what I and, and that's not to put anybody down. That's you need to understand the difference. So what I try to do is I want to surround myself with a bunch of guys or girls, you know, whoever's going to be on your team. And, you know, you want people to care as much as you're going to care. We have to start to change the behavior by building a team of employees that you can rely on. You want them to want to work for the company. One of my employees many years ago came to me and he said, I own a house because I work for CNR Flooring. Now, I wanted to correct him and say, you own a house because you work for a good company that cares about their employees and you do your job. But that's the culture that I have in my company, and I'm proud of that. So you need to start by building a team that wants to work for the company. Let's talk about that just a little bit. Tell me a little bit about how you pick a team. Like, what is it, if you're interviewing somebody, what is it you're looking for? What questions do you ask them to make that quality stand out? That's a fantastic question. In the studio here, I'm smiling because I really enjoy the interview process. And we don't ask your typical questions, believe it or not. Uh, Here's a couple of the questions that we use that help us find the right people. I ask people if they like movies. And I ask them, hey, can you tell me who your favorite hero and your favorite villain is? Based on what their answer is, I start to dig into what kind of a person they are. I had one guy tell me that the Joker in Batman, played by Heath Ledger, was his hero. And I went, don't you mean villain? And he said, no, hero. That guy messed everybody up. (laughs) Not somebody you want on your floor, right? Nor my team. Yeah, He didn't get the job. Um, The other interview question we ask are, what are the two traits that your parents have that you hate or two traits about your parents that you love. Now, the interesting thing about that question is the two traits of the parent that they hate are going to be clear behaviors that they avoid regularly because they've been programmed to hate the behavior. So again, this is how you can go towards picking good candidates to get on your team. These are, we, we use this all the time and it's proven well. Um, the other thing that I'll, I'll say I pride myself on is I never really hear people say, oh, we use Chris Sizza to do our floors. I actually hear more often we use CNR flooring. So you really want to try to bring your company into the branding where it's the name of the company they use more, not, you know, Jimmy, Joe or Jeff or Chris Sizza. You know, Mike, the other thing I wanted to make sure I covered on the side of owning a business. When you own a business, you have to act like you own a business and you have to run it like a business. Realize 
that a lot of those little things that happen when you're really small in business and the habits, break the habits of, you know, your own habits and your guy's habits where that wouldn't happen if they worked at a bank or that wouldn't happen if they worked in a real estate office. There are certain things that happen in our construction world that don't have to happen. So you might not have one of these, but I would encourage you, it's going to sound silly, but we did it many years ago. It could be three pages long. It could be one page long. It could be a storybook, but have an owner's manual, have an employee manual. What are the traits and what are the things you're looking for in a business and write them out, you know, tasks and how they get done. And when you own a business, you got to act like you own a business, a professional business. So let's talk a little bit about what it's like to own a business as opposed to being somebody who's working in a business and, and what, what made you think I want to have my own company as opposed to working for somebody else? What in the beginning is really key for someone to understand? Own a business versus owning a job. I wanted to own the business because somebody taught me a long time ago, if you're going to spend a whole lifetime doing a job, it's just like owning a home. When you're done owning your home, you can sell that towards your retirement. I've seen guys have a business for 20, 30 years. I know guys. I mean, I've been in now for 33 years. So I know guys that got out and all they did was close the door. The interesting thing was I saw some of that early on in my career. And I was like, okay, that's not going to be me because I want more when I'm done. And so building a business and this goes, this holds true for the guys that work for me. I've tried to build a business that allows them to lead into retirement as well. So CNR flooring is never going to be one of those companies. And I decided a long time ago that would be just a job. And I don't think my employees have just jobs either. They're all family men. They drive nice cars. They own homes. So that's the goal. And how do we get there? Well, you you start by being a professional and you start by running your small company like a big company. Tell me a little bit more about that as far as what are the kind of the attributes that you would define as a small company that you need to think bigger about? Not complicated. Financials don't have to be hard to read, but your math, you should always be following it. You know, you need to pay attention to your purchases. You need to pay attention to your sales. You need to pay attention to who owes you money. And you don't want to do that you know what I don't like out there? I'll jump around a little bit here. Those of you who know me know that's what I do. I don't like the adage, oh, he's just a contractor. Matter of fact, I hate that. Or I also hate, oh, what do you expect? You know, he's a contractor. Probably have to keep an eye on him. No, you don't. We can be just as professional as our customer is. You know, you pull up, guy's driving a BMW or Mercedes. He's got a 5,000 square foot house. That's awesome. Because that's the person hiring us. I'm sometimes amused that some of them aren't aware that we have 5,000-foot houses, too, and we drive Mercedes. Right. And, and a lot of times, maybe the person that's saying, oh, that guy is a contractor or whatever, is actually making less than the contractor, first of all. And secondly, isn't his own boss and is working in a large corporation where there might be more controls than what you would have if you were on your own. So I think you're right. Like there's, a, there's sometimes a, a way that we talk about being a contractor that's about being a contractor as opposed to being a business person. Is that what you're trying to get to is like, you know, there are fundamentals of business 
that are true in any business. It's not not necessarily just about flooring or it could be about a bank. It could be about something else. So the fundamentals of business are really what you're talking about as far as your core values and your mission and, and making for sure that what you're doing is providing a livelihood for people. It's really about that at the end of the day. While you're doing that through wood flooring, you're, you're really about providing a livelihood for your employees and yourself. Is that, is that what you're saying? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. And, I, and I'm saying we can do it in a way that, first of all, I don't pull up to jobs to do estimates in my Mercedes because you won't get the job. So write that one down. <laughs> it, we all know why. I'm okay with the perception of client contractor, but I'm also working towards that goal of being a successful businessman. And that's what I want to teach. So I drive my Ford Explorer when I do my estimates. I have had clients that look out the window and go, what are you driving? So I had this client that literally, I wasn't in the house 30 seconds. And she went to the window and looked out at what I was driving. She asked the question and I said, it's just a Jeep. This is before I had the Ford Explorer. I was driving a Jeep. So the client does watch what you're doing and perception is, it's not everything, but it's out there. You want to be perceived as a professional, so your truck should always be clean. That's important. Ring the doorbell. They open the door. Sometimes they ask you to go to the back door. Don't get insulted, but I would educate you here. Let's pay attention to who our client is. She's not letting you in the front door. Is it because it's a muddy, rainy day, or is it because you're a contractor and she thinks you need to go to the service entrance? The reason this matters is because if she's the one that says service entrance... Here's the good news. Raise your price. Service her to the fullest. You're going to get the job because everybody else probably already passed. So you take those clients that you know are going to be difficult. You elevate your game with service, but charge for it. They don't have a lot of options. Trust me when I tell you that difficult client can sometimes be your best client if you have patience to deal with them and charge for it. Because you're not going to mind once you're getting paid for it. That's a great point, Chris. We're going to get to that point in the Back to Basics podcast we do a little bit later when we talk about client relations. But I want to talk just a little bit more about you know starting your business and what advice do you have for guys starting out? If, you, if you're a new company, I want you to stop thinking of yourself as a new company and every day think of yourself as a real company. And Because I always did. You know, I would walk around. I mean, there I was, 18 years old. Here's the funny thing. Yes, I have a hard Boston accent, typically if I'm throwing back a few beers. But um, the funny thing is, when I was 18, I really worked on pronouncing my R's because people mistake a hard Boston accent as a lack of education. Um, but the Kennedys always spoke with their R's pronounced, and they would drag them out. And so my mom, I remember her teasing me saying, you know, you talk like a Kennedy. But the truth is, I was just trying to get my clients to believe that I was a professional. And so we had phrases at CNR Flooring in the early days where if we had to go to the bathroom in somebody's house, my guys would say, excuse me, could you tell me where the facilities are? 
We never called it a toilet. We never called it a bathroom, a men's room, a ladies' room. We called it the facilities. And you'd be surprised how many clients used to say, your guys are so polite. I love the way they ask even to use the bathroom, the facilities. It wasn't that we were trying to be pompous. We were trying to be professional. And these are the things that elevate your company. They sound silly, but they're not. You know, the clean car. I take my shoes off every time I walk through somebody's front door, even when the house is a mess. Because people go, oh, you don't have to take your shoes off. And I go, oh, no, well, I'm the floor guy. It's pretty standard for us. We like to keep it clean. And all these little things, all these little behaviors build the business in the direction of being a professional. So people would say, oh, what do you do for a living? I never said, oh, I, I do hardwood floors or I bang nails for a living or I'm an installer or I sand floors. I always said I own a hardwood flooring company. And I would build the conversation from there. Um, it's, it, you know, I would always attend charity functions and people, oh, what do you do? Well, I own a hardwood flooring company. I own a hardwood flooring company. Didn't matter that back then we did 300000 in sales. I had one truck that I bought off of a used locksmith, and I used motorcycle tie-downs to hold the door closed. <laughs> uh, trust me, I'm not making this up. And yeah, it still said locksmith on the side. It didn't even say CNR flooring. I bought that truck for $750, and we did $336,000 my first year in business. Wow. And I'll tell you this, not to give away sales, because that's something you should always keep under your hat, but I want all you guys out there to grow. So we did 336000 my first year in business, and we do more than that in a month now in today's world. And it amazes me sometimes when I look at our month sales and I say, wow, I used to do less than that in, in a year. And so you guys that are doing... 200,000 a year right now or 100,000 a year or 300,000 whatever whatever your number is know that you can grow from there and turn it into something significant that one day I hope you're able to sell. So in this first podcast series we're talking about how to build a business and not build a job. So let's start by talking about what you're passionate about and how that helped you build a business. In the early years of CNR flooring, one of our paramount things that I used to pledge. When I opened, I went after builders, not homeowners for my clients because I had worked for a company that primarily did builders. So it's kind of what I thought the customer base was. Yeah, we did homeowners too when they came along, but I kind of thought we were a builder business. And so my big thing was when I would get an interview with a builder, I would say, the one thing you need to know when you hire us is we're never going to miss a closing. That was a big thing. And we also used to pay attention. You probably don't know this, or maybe you do, but the banks pay the builder when hardwood goes in. That's one of the draw lines when you're building and you're borrowing from the bank. Hardwood goes in, and it's a draw. So everyone gets paid on the installation side. You know, when I started, there wasn't even pre-finished floors. It was all site finished. So... I used to campaign to those guys. We never missed a deadline. And the professionalism of that helped me build with all my builders. So in helping my builders get their draws or meet a closing, which also led to money, you had to be more than reliable. 
And what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of young guys out there that I run into at, at Expo, and they ask me questions about what I've done over the years and how do I do it. And by the way, I had this happen on a job, and how would you have handled this situation? And I'll give the answer, and the guys look at me and say, oh, I'd never do that. And then I look at them and I think to myself, well, that's why you're where you are and that's why you're probably not going to get to that next level. Can you give us an example of that? I sure can. So in my career, I have two days where I showed up for work that morning and I was still there the next day at that time. So I don't remember if it was a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, but hypothetically, if I showed up Monday morning, this the first one I'm going to tell you about was in a, a travel job in Florida. It was an Ann Taylor store that we were doing. We used to do Ann Taylor, Brooks Brothers, American Eagle, Wilson Leather. Wherever they were building a store, we would fly in with our team. And because we never missed a deadline, the store was going to open on time. We got those jobs, and they paid really well. Well, we got there at 7 in the morning. We were banging nails all day, all night. I don't advise this out there, by the way, but we're taking no-dos at like 3.30 in the morning <laughs> while I'm running a table saw. And 7 o'clock on Tuesday, or whatever day it was next. We have an OSHA disclaimer now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can tell you that 7 o'clock the next day, I was still there. And the fixture truck showed up at 11, and the store, you know, the buildup was complete. We made it happen. I have two of those 24-hour days in my history, and... Those are the things you have to do to build a business. When you're young, you can do it. Don't develop the attitude, I'm not going to do it. Here's the difference in why I haven't had to do it in today's world. As I grew older, wiser, and more professional, I learned to see where we were going to miss or where, where my customer was going to miss. How many times we walk on a job and you know they're not ready? Right. So I, now I, I've learned how to educate even my customer. Hey, you guys aren't ready. And then I'll send an email and I'll be on record that they're not ready. And then maybe they make things happen a little faster so you don't have to have that 24-hour day. But I guess the message there is dedication. You have to be dedicated to building your business and to helping your clients succeed. You know, during the building phases of the company, and I probably should say you never stop building a business, by the way, because you're always working on your reputation. But when I look back in my early 20s, it was a Friday night, and it was pretty close to one in the morning, and the police show up. And I'm in the uh, great room over the garage running. Back then, it was a Clark drum sander. And I'm zipping up and down, and the edge is spinning in the other room, and the police walk in, and you know, so we shut off the big machine, and uh, he's like, "Hey, kid, you got to shut it down." And I looked right at him, and I go, "No, there won't be any shutting down. I need Polly on this tonight because we got to put another coat tomorrow, and this house closes on Monday." And he goes, "Kid, come over here." And he brings me to the window and he points across uh, the way to this house with all their lights on. And he goes, you see that guy over there? He's trying to sleep. And he goes, what I love, kid, is I'm always in this subdivision busting it up because kids are drinking on a Friday night. And I love that you're working, but you are stopping. <laughs> and we did stop. I was back there at six in the morning and we did make the closing. I just had to work Sunday. But I look back on those stories and so when you're asking yourself, should I do this? 
should I go in on Saturday and bang a coat out? The, hey, the running joke in my family on Thanksgiving is, where's Chris? And they said, well, he'll be here soon, but he had to put a coat. <laughs> it's true. I dropped coats on Thursday morning on Thanksgiving because it was a dead day and we got to pick up a day in the schedule. Pay attention to those opportunities because the faster you finish a job, you can start another job, and that adds to your bottom line because your production goes up, which means your sales go up. Thanks, Chris. That's a great wrap-up on this first episode of the podcast, Real Answers, How to Build a Business, Not a Job. I thank you for your time today, and I look forward to our next meeting. Right on. Happy to be here, guys. Keep it real. <laughs>